Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today's audio is part two of our series called Living in a Larger Story. And this is from our second Saturday night service that we had in downtown Covington. If you're catching this message for the first time, we also have uh, a little PDF file that you can download from our blog, or it may just pop up when you download uh, this from iTunes. It has a series of questions that kind of tie into the end of this talk as we're learning what it means to step from a smaller story into a larger story by looking at the life of the Apostle Peter. So, Let's join the talk. Thanks for listening. Well, tonight we're going to do a a thing called um, The Call, uh, which is part two. And um, I want to start this off with a little... I'm, I'm going to quote something, and I, I couldn't find the quote exactly, but I heard, uh, has anybody ever read the author Donald Miller before? He's, uh, he's written some, some great books. He wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz and another book uh, recently called um, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And um, he said this, uh, I heard him speaking. He said, a great movie has a way of reorienting your life. You walk away with a deeper understanding of, of, of what life is. Have you ever seen a movie that, that has done that for you? Anybody? Any examples? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Dr- what dreams may come? I don't know if I saw that. Anybody else? Spider-Man? That doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Lord of the Rings. See? You're beating me to the punch. <laughs> I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Anybody else? Okay. Well, uh, the reality is I think we've all seen our, our fair share of junk food movies. And when I say junk food movies, they're movies that, like, like Brian mentioned, Spider-Man, they're movies that may be fun in the moment, kind of like Wendy's. You know, you go to Wendy's, it's good. It's good to have that, that biggie fry and that double stack sandwich. But I can't say that I've ever looked back on a Wendy's experience three or four weeks later, sat down with Dean and said, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm still amazed at that meal we had three weeks ago. The way they, they got that, that, that cheese on top of there and, and mustard and ketchup at the same time. Crazy, crazy that they thought of that and they put it all together and wrapped it up. I, 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 we just got to go back there. Well, that's the way most movies that come out in the summertime. You got Transformers, G.I. Joe, and I'm not saying these are bad movies. I'm not trying to step on you. They're good movies, but they're altogether forgettable. When you go to see Transformers, you're not going because you're expecting some deep plot and, and character development. You're, you're really expecting a good roller coaster ride, and, and you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be fun for the moment. But every now and then, you see a movie that just shakes you up. It, it, it's like splashing cold water on your soul. And, and you just walk away saying, wow, I, I, I get something about life a little bit more than I did. You know, I recently, probably a few months ago, saw a movie, Clint Eastwood, uh, Gran Torino. And it was a kind of a hard movie. Has anybody watched that one? Okay, yeah. It was kind of a hard start. You know, the guy is, he's, he's 
a cynical old kind of racist guy, Clint Eastwood, and he's you know it's almost hard. He's so offensive, you almost want to turn the movie off at the first part. But if you stick with it, I never thought I'd see Clint Eastwood in a movie that would actually make me cry. And like I'm at the end, at the final scenes, I'm like. <laughs> And it was Clint Eastwood. But I remember after that movie walking away like, wow, that there was such a picture of redemption and, and reconciliation. The, the, these things that you feel in your heart and, and it's you can find these things everywhere, like Finding Nemo, um, The Notebook, Cinderella Man. I know guys that will still not watch The Notebook. They're just afraid to watch it because they know I don't want to watch a movie where I'll cry. And uh you know, even even something like Saving Private Ryan or, or Star Wars. These the reason these movies have kind of lasted in our culture and, and people keep returning to them over and over is because uh, they resonate with us on a certain level. And I think one reason this is, is because they have kind of the classic formula of the protagonist or hero. Um, they all have that in common. And when you look at a. Uh, when you look at these epic movies, they all start with a hero, don't they? In Finding Nemo, it was Marlin, the clownfish, Nemo's dad, right? He was just an ordinary, everyday clownfish that was living in his little coral reef world, and everything was cool. But something happened to get him out of that, that coral reef into the larger ocean. Lord of the Rings, Frodo was just an average, ordinary hobbit living in a hobbit a nice little hobbit life with a hobbit hole and everything was cool in the Shire. But something happens to break him out of that and lead him on a journey towards Mordor. <laughs> Even Superman, we think of Superman. Superman doesn't start off super, does he? I mean, he, he obviously has powers to begin with, but he, he lives an ordinary life for his teenage years, like in Kansas, I think. or so it's Kansas. Out on a farm... With, with kind of his, his adopted family before he ever embraces this superness about him and before we ever see him in blue tights and, and a red cape. He, he starts out, and that's the way all these heroes that we see in, in movies, how, how fun would it be to watch The Pursuit of Happiness and the character played by Will Smith already has it all figured out at the beginning? That'd kind of defeat the purpose, right? Like he's, he's already, you know, got it. It all starts out with an ordinary guy, an ordinary woman, somebody living in a rather small story. But there's always some event, some event that shakes them out of that place, that brings them out of that ordinary small thing into something that's extraordinary, brings them out of something that's natural into something that's supernatural. And it's this defining moment that I want us to look at tonight in the life of a guy from the New Testament. I want us to look at the life of Peter. Anybody ever heard of Peter before? Peter was one of, you know, he's known kind of in jokes as, St. Peter, there's all these jokes about St. Peter at the pearly gates, right? He may be known as the Apostle Peter, but we're going to start out at the point in the story where he was just the, the, the ordinary guy, like Frodo, like Marlin, like even Superman in his younger days. Maybe not, maybe bad analogy, but, but <laughs> we're going to start at a point where Peter was just Simon. That was his name to begin with. And you know, he... Peter grew up on the North Shore as well as some of you guys, except it was the North Shore 
of the Sea of <laughs> Galilee. And uh, he... He was in the fishing business. He was a commercial fisherman. He was just an ordinary guy doing probably what every other person would do living in that area. He lived in Capernaum, which was just a little fishing town. And, you know, he's just trying to make a living and provide for his family. But times were really not that great. We think of the, the hard times that we're having in America right now. Not too bad compared to Peter's time. Peter was living in a time where Israel had been under foreign domination for hundreds of years. You go back, uh, it, it all started with the Babylonian exile. Babylon takes over Israel and takes a lot of them captive. So the Jewish people go into the Babylonian captivity. Then while they're in captivity, the Assyrians come along and they invade Babylon. And then they let some of the Jewish people come back to Israel. They start coming back, but basically they're coming back to their home, but they don't own their home anymore. Now they're paying rent to a foreign power. Well, then after the Assyrians came the Greeks under Alexander, and they were a bad bunch. They did not respect any of the Jewish people's um, beliefs or, or their history. And then after the Greeks, it was the Romans. Anybody familiar with the rock band The Who? The Who said it best. They said, meet the new boss, the same as the old boss. And, and, and that's, that's what it was like for the Israeli people, the Jewish people at that time. It was one horrible, brutal empire after another coming and ruling them. And, and by the time that, that, you know, Peter's on the scene, the Romans were in charge. And then you had even the, the, the Jewish governance that was kind of in bed with the Romans. They were, they were you know, compromised and, and just in it for their own power. And then you had this horrible tax system. We complain about taxes today, but we're talking like, you know, most of your most of your income was going to a, a foreign power that you detested, that, that didn't care for what you believed at all. And then the other little bit that went to the Jewish government, you knew that they were spending it on corruption and stuff as well. And that doesn't even factor in the, the people who were taking the money from you. They had a whole tax industry there of people that were just opportunistic, people that had sold out their own Jewish people so they could take a little money off the top while they were taking taxes. So here's Peter just trying to live in this time, and it's hopeless. It's, it, it's just a dark time. And I, I imagine Peter going out on the, on the boat at night, because we, we see in the New Testament, we see several times where he's out on these overnight fishing trips. And I imagine Peter, he's, he's out in the boat and, and, you know, everything's done for the day. And he's just kind of laying back in the boat, looking up at the sky. But unlike those of us who would be out on Lake Pontchartrain, he could actually see stars. Because there's no humidity, there's no lights of a city, and he's laying back looking up at the stars. And I can imagine Peter feeling that same feeling that you and I have felt before, where you just feel small. You ever feel small before? You know, you have this, this kind of sense with, with Twitter and Facebook and all these things. Sometimes you get this sense in your life that you're pretty important, that you have fans, you have followers. Like, I've got to, I've got to please my people. And you, you can feel kind of big and important sometimes, but sometimes you get out under the stars and you feel like, wow, <laughs> as big as I thought I am, I'm, I'm really pretty small. But you know, when you, when, you, when you feel that smallness, you don't really feel unimportant, do you? You just feel like there's something more to life 
than this. And I imagine Peter feeling that same kind of feeling, laying out, looking up to the stars, thinking, gosh, there's got to be something more than just trying to survive here. There's got to be something more than just this, just this fishing business and just trying to make ends meet. And I imagine Peter thinking back over the history of his people, thinking back to Moses and how he, you know, God raised Moses up to, to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the bondage of slavery and tyranny, how, how God heard their cries and brought them out of that, brought them into a new land. I imagine Peter thinking back over the prophets who had spoken hundreds of years before. Peter was actually living in a time where the, the, the prophetic voices had died. Nobody was hearing from God anymore. But I, I imagine him thinking back to, to those who had said that one day God's going to bring another person up that's going to be like Moses, that's actually going to take his people out of captivity. And I also imagine Peter thinking about the one prophet that was alive in his day by the name of John the Baptist. You ever heard of him before? John the Baptist was like the first guy in hundreds of years to actually hear from God and have a message for his people. And I imagine Peter thinking about what John said because, see, John John said, that guy we've been waiting for, that guy who's going to set things right, that guy who's going to take his people out of God's people out of captivity and lead them into a new place, guess what? He's on the scene, and his name's Jesus. And I imagine Peter thinking, I wonder, I wonder if this guy's really the guy. Because the truth is, you know, over the hundreds of years leading up to that point, there had been many, many people who said that they were going to be the Messiah. What I, what's the Messiah mean? Messiah is just basically the prophesied one that was going to bring Israel out of, of, of this bondage. But there had been one person after another who, who stood up and revolted, who, who said they were going to make a difference, who said they were going to change things, who said that, that you could get your hopes up. But the reality is, every one of these guys ended up executed, tortured, made an example of. And so Peter probably had that feeling that we're having right now with the New Orleans Saints. You know, I heard this weekend or the last couple of days, I think it was uh, Friday or, or Thursday or Friday, I heard somebody saying that the Las Vegas odds makers are now putting their money on the New Orleans Saints as not just going to the Super Bowl, but actually winning it. And I don't know about you. I want to believe it. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> I want to believe that, that the Saints are going to go, that this is the real, this is the team that's going to do it. But what do, what do I have to fight? I have to fight my own failed hopes in the past. Reality is, there's been many times before where I said, oh, this is the team. And then they fail. And I imagine Peter feeling that same kind of sense, wanting to believe that Jesus is the guy, but then at the same time thinking, man, I just can't put my emotions out there one more time. I'm tired of getting my hopes up that something's going to change in this place. I'm tired of doing that. I'd like to believe, I just don't have the capacity for it anymore. Well, it's at this point that I want to pick up the story because after one of these nights out fishing 
and not even doing very good at it. <laughs> After one of these nights where he didn't even catch a minnow, this is where we pick up the story. And if you have your Bible, you can look at Luke chapter 5. I'm just going to read the first 11 verses. It says this, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, by the way, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put out a little further from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. How many of y'all like to take that fishing trip? When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. I love this. I love the way Jesus gets a hold of Peter. <laughs> Jesus doesn't walk up to Peter and give him like a little tract or, or try, to, um, try to convince him intellectually. Jesus speaks the language that Peter understands. He enters into Peter's world, and Peter's world is fish. And, 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 and it really gets Peter's attention. <laughs> I imagine when Peter throws over the nets, I imagine he's thinking... Okay, Jesus, I'll throw the nets over. We've been out here all night, haven't even caught a minnow, but we'll throw the nets over just to make you happy. And I imagine when he sees all these fish rushing into the net from every direction, all of a sudden, all that stuff he's been thinking on the boat at night, all those things he's been, he's been pondering in his heart as he looks up at the stars, all of a sudden they start flooding back in, and he starts thinking, wow. <laughs> This is the one. And at first, it's kind of that moment of, wow, cool, this is the one. And then the next moment, it's terrifying. Because if this is the one, I'm in trouble because I'm a mess. He's in my boat. <laughs> He's talking to me. And Peter goes, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. You got the wrong person, Jesus. This is, I'm not the guy you start things with. <laughs> I'm the guy you, you walk past. I mean, I, I'm a mess. He might have cursed like a sailor. He was a sailor. And I imagine that night, Peter coming home to his wife. Because <laughs> we do know Peter was married. And, and I imagine this conversation because I've had conversations with my wife before when I've wanted to do crazy things. And I imagine Peter walking in with an ice chest full of, you know, red snapper and and crawfish and crabs. I mean, he's got all-you-can-eat seafood buffet that night. And he starts cooking up stuff, and, and the wife's pretty impressed because Peter's been having a rough week. He hadn't been catching anything. And all of a sudden, she's like, wow, things are looking up, Pete. 
We may be able to get that fish, that extra fishing boat that you, you wanted to get. You, you may be able to step into management. You could be around me and the kids a little bit more. And so they're having a feast at dinner that night. And then all of a sudden, Peter knows he's got to tell her something because she's pretty impressed with everything. And he says, uh, uh, by the way, about that fishing trip that um, we did, all this fish that I caught today, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm getting rid of the business. And uh, could you pass the potatoes? And I can imagine his wife saying, uh, what? Did, did you just say you get, get, you're getting rid of the fishing business? Are you trying to, like, what, quit while you're on top, while you, you had the biggest catch ever that has ever been recorded in the Sea of Galilee? And then Peter goes on trying to explain to her about how he met this guy that he thinks is the one that's going to change everything. And, honey, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm out there on the boat. I mean, we'd had a horrible night of fishing, and then all of a sudden this guy, Jesus, you know the one that John the Baptist has been talking about? Well, he shows up, and he borrows my boat. And, and, and I wasn't really paying attention to a lot of the things that he had to say, but when he was done, he said to, to throw the nets out. And so I did that, and it was amazing. The fish just started coming in left and right, and, and, and I, I couldn't believe what he was happening but i really think he might be the guy and honey the crazy thing is he he actually asked me to 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 join this thing that he's doing like i i I can be a part of it like he's gonna really change things and i can imagine his wife's response should probably be typical response that's great. That's great, honey, that you want to save the world. I'm so glad you're, you're, you're joining this new Messiah because Lord knows that we, we've seen a lot of Messiahs in our day, and, and usually it works out great. And uh, I, I'm, I'm so glad you're going to be going on the road with him. And, uh, but um, I just have one question. What about me and the kids? How, how are we going to have food on the table? Uh, how are we going to have clothes? <laughs> how are you going to take care of us? I imagine it being probably... A pretty tense evening. Peter might have even had to sleep on the couch that night. <laughs> Maybe in his boat. Yeah, I hope you like that boat, Peter. <laughs> Knowing Peter, it probably wasn't the first time. But when we read the story after that, we realize Peter did follow Jesus. We don't read of him getting divorced. His, his wife, all that worked out. And actually, God took care of them, took care of all their needs. Jesus was inviting Peter into a, large, a larger story than what Peter had been living in. Peter had been living in a story that was just about self-preservation. It was just about making it. I'm just trying to, to provide for my family. Not a bad thing. It's not bad to provide for your family. But Jesus brought him out of that into a much larger story that was epic <laughs> in, its, in what was going on. So I want to ask the question tonight, what story are you living in? What's, what's your story? You know, we all have some kind of narrative that we're living our lives in. You know, when I was in high school, the narrative was being a rock star, you know? So 
Like, by the time I was, like, 15, I was, like, finding every famous rock star and telling my parents, well, Steve, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan didn't graduate high school, so surely I can drop out. My dad was like, well, when you start playing like Stevie Ray Vaughan, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to live that dream. That was, that was in my mind. Like, I'm going to do this and this and this, and then I'm going to be that dude just rocking crowds of thousands of people. That was the narrative I was shooting for. Typical narrative in your life may be, you know, go to college, find a mate, settle down, have 2.5 children, and live in the suburbs. Think about the narrative that the media wants us to live in. You realize every commercial that comes on TV just about is trying to push you into a story. There's a story with the guy on the boat you know, tossing out his fishing rod with a couple of women in bikinis around him drinking Coors Light. That's a story. It's trying to get you to live in. There's a woman who's, who's you know, finds uh, a dishwashing liquid that all of a sudden it makes all her cares go away. And, and all of a sudden her, her, her husband and her kids love her. And the dishes are clean. There's a cream that you put on your face that all of a sudden it changes everything. And, and you're beautiful people. When you walk in the room, they just, they just love you. That's a narrative that they're trying to get you to live in. It's a story they're trying to get you to live in. You know, most of us are, are just living, you know, we, we may not even be thinking. Of, you know, your, your story for this year may be that 82-inch flat screen that just came out, you know, and, and, and hopefully by the end of the year you're going to have that thing. That's, that's the story of your life this year. Or it may be a fishing boat. But that's a small story, isn't it? These are, you know, the, the, the deal is with, with every one of these stories, they're, they're just about me. It's just about me. And you know what? The stories that are just about me, they don't really fulfill me. You know, when you're the center of the universe, it really doesn't answer what's in your heart. Have you ever noticed that when you're just living selfishly, self-centered, when everything's just about you? Does that really fulfill you on the inside? I I remember reading. (laughs) They're having fun in children's church tonight. (laughs) I remember, uh, has anybody ever read Wild at Heart by John Eldridge? It's, uh, it's a cool book. He, but John, John Eldridge talks about one of the desires in a man's heart is to live an adventure. And the only problem is a lot of guys make the woman the adventure. And, and so the woman becomes the adventure. And, and he said, you know what? Women don't want to be the adventure. They want to be an invited into an adventure. They don't want to be the point of the adventure, though. Because whenever the woman becomes the adventure, then all of a sudden you become codependent or you, as soon as you get married to her, then you're ready to move on to the next thing. You see guys that spend their whole life going from one woman to the next woman because the woman has become the adventure. Well, in the same way, I think we, we get it screwed up in our Christianity. We make the Christianity about us like I'm the point. But no, I'm not the point of Christianity. I'm a point. (laughs) Jesus is inviting each of us into a a story that's much bigger than us, into an adventure that isn't just about me. It's about what God is doing in the earth. Jesus invites Peter into a story that involves Peter. It involves him. It's a story that's going to transform Peter, but it doesn't end 
with Peter. It ends with God's kingdom breaking in. And I want you to think something about this little story that we looked at. When Jesus talks to Peter, he doesn't lead Peter in the sinner's prayer to start off with. He doesn't tell Peter, Peter, if you go out on your boat tonight and you have an accident and you die, where will you go when you die? He doesn't start there. This is Jesus. Nor does he tell Peter, you know, Peter, I've got this thing. I'm getting started. I'd like you to be a part. So if you could go learn a little bit more about theology and how to how to conduct yourself in front of people a little bit better and, and how to clean up your language a bit and, and, and maybe take off a little of the rough edges, then I want you to call me. Here's my card, and uh, maybe we can do something. Jesus simply invites Peter to step into the story right where he's at, smelling like fish and all. <laughs> With all the rough edges that Peter has. He, he doesn't expect him to, to get his act together. He just says, Peter, follow me. You think this catch of fish is awesome? Dude, we're going to catch people. <laughs> we are going to change people. We're going to be a part of people experiencing the life, the transformation of God. And Peter is crazy enough to respond. See, the reality is that when we face one of these defining moments in our life where God is inviting us into a larger story, we're going to be miserable if we don't say yes. <laughs> See, I think for Peter that night, after all the stuff that he'd been thinking out on the boat, after all the ways that God is moving on his heart, because believe me, I don't think Jesus just kind of walked up to him out of the blue and that was the first time he ever had thought about this stuff. I think for Peter in that moment to say no to Jesus would be to, to deny his own soul. It'd be to deny what was going on on the inside. He just knew it was the right thing, and he was crazy enough to answer. He knew as crazy as it sounded, he's got to say yes to Jesus. And I'm sure that Peter had all kinds of self-doubt. I'm sure that Peter questioned more than once <laughs> Jesus, are you sure you got the right guy? And we see even throughout Peter's story that there's a few times where, where Peter has to be reminded to keep following Jesus. We see some times where Peter blows it royally. But Jesus, is, his call to him is to follow him over and over. So tonight, I want to ask the question, number one, what kind of story are you living in? I think we all need to ask that question of ourselves. And, and Mike, you got some, uh, we got some, some uh, resource material we're going to pass out to you tonight. This is just basically, I, I want you to take this and, and just spend some time with God in the next week or two. Just take 30 minutes, an hour, and, and sit down and go through these questions. And just, but the, the first question is, what kind of story Am I living in? If, if, if you had to look at your life right now, what story is it? Where's it going? The second question is, where do you sense Jesus is asking you to follow right now? And this question isn't just for people who've never said yes to Jesus. All of us, all of us, if you're a Christ follower right now, 
I can guarantee you that Jesus is asking, he's still asking you to take another step and to follow him into another place. Where is it that you may be sensing that God's asking you to follow him right now? And the final thing is, where do you need to step out and trust God? You know, Peter, Peter had to trust God with some, some pretty amazing things right there. <laughs> As he would find along the way, though, the, the, probably the easiest things to trust God with was the fishing business. There were some times where he had to trust Jesus with some, some pretty amazing things along the way. But where are you feeling like you might have to trust God tonight? I want to just um, I just want to close by by singing a song one more time called Surrender and I'll just probably do it with acoustic guitar I probably won't even plug in but I, I just want us to stand up and to sing this song together tonight just as a really kind of an act of of faith in God even if you're having a hard time with faith in God at the moment. Lord, tonight we just ask you for the grace to let go and to trust you, Lord. Lord, that we could step into a larger story with you, God. And that we could trust you, Lord. Lord, the things that, that we sense you asking us to do in our hearts, Lord, that we would find the courage to stand up and say yes God 